Sorry, I looked at my coffee and I was like, I'll, I'll tell Justin that I've just done the inverted method. I've just done the inverted method, Justin. You've tried the inverted method back in Edinburgh in one of your own flats. And what? do you think it tastes any different? One of my own flats? Yeah, one of the places you spend lots of time. Yeah, that suggests some sort of ownership, which is something I could only dream, aspire to. Oh, I don't own any property. Yeah, the inverted method does work pretty well. Thanks, Jake, for the suggestion. Mess. Thank you, listener Jake. If you can just now get John <laughs> yes. to appreciate decent coffee, thank you very much. And thank you, listener Jake. And listener only. No relation. Do you want me to do one? Have you got it written in front of you? No, but I, can, I think I can just do it on the fly. Okay, we do it on the fly. Welcome to the Deception Club podcast. A history podcast where we are very casual about the truth. As always, this week we'll have three statements, two true, one lie. This week it's my job to work out which one is the lie. I'm not very good at it, as the score shows. It's 5-3. I've got to catch up. Let's go. That was good. That was nice good, job. wasn't it? That was some good energy. Um, excellent. I'm glad you're up there because I've got a surprise for you. Uh, to be honest with you, John, I did not think we were at this level yet, but I have a friend. What? No, you don't. That friend is... Yeah, unsurprising. I don't know. They might not want to be called a friend, but I'm calling them a friend. That friend is a professor or <gasps> a teaching professional at a university. That friend is going to include one of our episodes as core course material or additional optional course material. Of all of our episodes, John, which one do you think would be included and for which academic area? Are they actually? Hmm. Oh, which one's the most intellectual episode we've done? It's hard to pick from all of these vastly, vastly intellectual subjects. I'm going to say, um, it's got a, I'm going to guess the Centurion Tree. Oh, I don't know what, 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 what university degree would that be for? Botany. <laughs> no, um, no, that would be somewhat tangential. Oh, I know, um, I know what it is. I've got a yep. new one. I've got a new guess. Good. Um, Napier's Bones Mathematics. I actually thought you were going to guess correctly the way you said that. No. Okay, I've got a new not. one. <laughs> um, God, what, what episodes? Your odds doing? are getting better. Um, if you ask me this question, I wouldn't be able to remember what episodes we've done, let alone. It's um, going to be the kinetoscope and film. I forgot about that, but no. Is it film? smell vision and film. De- no. <laughs> I'm just shouting into the microphone. I've got no idea. We don't have any episodes left. I'll tell you. It is the carbolic smoke ball and it is being introduced to oh. some business law students. I could have worked that out, couldn't I? Because you spoke about how that you like <laughs> that that case was taught to you. Oh. Yeah. So that's shit. going to be given as an introduction to I think I presume contracts or I, I don't know i don't not sure if the the listener friend would like to be named so um thank you listener i'll leave friend. it out but yeah I, and they were really lovely and they wanted me to get your permission first and i said nah i'm surprising him on on the episode with this and secondly i'm overruling him i don't care thirdly i don't even care if you're using this as an example of what might happen if you don't pay attention in class use it anyway because um, I will then say the podcast is 
academic teaching material. I'm worried that she um, is going to get like rejected from the <laughs> academic world. <laughs> that's why I'm not naming them because I don't want her to be traced. <laughs> I want I want her, I want her to have her like um, on her door a professor who's casual about the truth. <laughs> <laughs> casual about the law. <laughs> casual about the law. Anyway, in uh, in the excitement of finding out that um, the podcast would be on an actual set of materials for students, I've gone again with something that has legal relevance and drawing in another area of mine, mostly accidentally. We're gonna we're gonna go a little bit geography, a little bit wine, John. If that's okay with you. I'll allow for some some wine chat, some geography and wine. Okay, is your search Ge- engine ready? Not much, geography is not my strong suit. My search engine is ready. That's fine. It's only Italy. It doesn't really matter. Um, oh. <laughs> I want to get rid of them all before I start trying to pronounce things. If all of the French people could go away, also um, come back next week. Uh, let's say, as they say in French, I'm not going to. <laughs> good, good, good call. It's too early. It's too early in the episode. Uh, search engine ready? Yes, my search engine is ready. Search for Black Rooster of Chianti. And it's the region of Italy. So it's C-H-I-A-N-T-I. Oh, I missed a heat. Uh, don't scroll too far. Just oh. have a look at what you get. Not technically an object, I'll add here. But it is. Also, I'm assuming that everyone's brain has gone to the same place, which is Science of the Lambs. But that's okay. Um... I haven't seen it. Yeah, but do you know the quote? No. Okay. Um, I could just see a bottle of wine with a black rooster on it. Chianti bottle of wine Classico with a label that's got a little rooster silhouette. 1716. The actual wine's not relevant. We're only interested in the rooster at this point. I can see the rooster. Okay. Second black rooster to feature on the podcast. Yes, yes. Good point. So this rooster... And the bottles of wine that you are looking at are produced in the region within Tuscany in Italy. Uh, very famous wine, very revered, able to produce some premium wines. And the best denomination that we're going to deal with here is Chianti Classico. Chianti and Classico. As with probably French wine that we'd be most familiar with, there are rules on what you can call certain things in certain regions. So Champagne has to be made in champagne and it has to be made in the champagne method to be called champagne. Italy has a different system but in this case the denomination of Chianti Classico means that it was made from certain grapes from certain places that have passed evaluation tests and now or throughout a lot of time as well the black rooster was used in conjunction with claims of quality such that it has become associated with the wine from that region. Does that make sense? So, if your grapes are approved as being Chianti Classico, you can put your rooster on the bowl. So, to be Chianti Classico, it has to be made from Sangiovese grapes. Sangiovese. It has to be made from certain vineyards within certain places. And the wine that is in barrels has to be tasted by a panel, sort of independently picked by the people in charge of these rules. And the wine has to be improved. So it won't be Chianti Classico if it does not meet those requirements. 
grapes and place all around puddles. the world lots of places have rules about what can be called what in this case we're dealing with a black rooster being an indication of that the exact specifics of the rooster are a little bit relevant in the statement so i'm trying to kind of tread carefully around that however the way the black rooster ended up being on the label i think is kind of interesting it's also almost entirely or at least a little bit mythological but there's a legend which uh, for a history podcast i think legends are historically relevant if not factual factual so there's two cities within tuscany called florence and siena do you think that's how they're pronounced john uh definitely florence not sure about i mean yeah sure youtube had a kind of soft a so i think it's the sienese people which i was going to say a lot more times than siena is it spelled two cities just one n nice two cities these cities were always fighting against each other they always had dead people in the battles so they've got got to a point where they're like i think we need to stop this why don't we come to an agreement why don't we find a more peaceful way to determine where the borders are that separate florence from siena the only sensible way to decide this border was to have a knight start in each city from each city and they would ride directly towards the opposing city and wherever the two knights met, that would be the border. They're like, cool, how do we decide is... when to leave? And they're like, sunrise. That is excellent. I like that. We'll just do it at sunrise. And they're like, okay, now I'm going to interpret the story. One of them says, shall we do it when the first bit of the sun pops up? Shall we do it when the first bit of light is seen? Do you have to wait for the entire sun? And they're like, okay, see your point. Why don't we go when the first rooster crows at sunrise? And they went, yeah, that's a perfect plan. I can't see any problem with that. The Sienese picked their favourite white rooster. The Florentines picked a black rooster. Based on what we've covered so far, John, who, whose knight do you think got further? Black rooster. The black rooster got a lot further. The knight is thought to have got do I get a point to within up? 12 kilometres of the cities. I didn't think to check how far away they are, but they're a lot <laughs> further than 24 kilometres. So uh, the Florentine knight got much closer to the opposing city, got them a whole bit of extra land. The rooster was celebrated and lauded as a hero of the city and probably amongst many other things initially became a symbol that found its way onto the wine labels of the best wine in the region. I wonder if they also had to debate which knight... Because you could have sent one that looked like a jockey. <laughs> it was really quick. Yeah, maybe they already had all the fast horses. Yeah. There's like this seven foot knight who's really good at fighting compared to this little jockey who's really good at riding his horse. And you go, I think we'll go with the, the jockey. What about, I would love it if it was like downhill and down breeze in one direction. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that'd be brilliant. Mm. Any questions on the intro or shall we jump into some statements so we can just go for it? Oh, I think this sounds great. Yeah, let's go. I'm, I'm curious okay. as to what your statements are going to be. Statement number one. Are you ready? Yes. Within the legend, it is told that the black rooster was starved for days and kept in a dark room to make it crow earlier. Oh my God. Yep. Statement two. Statement number two. It is now effectively compulsory to put the rooster symbol on your bottle if you want to call it Chianti Classico. And uh, third one? Producers from a village in Burgundy, France, sued 
in 2013 to prevent the trademark from being enforced. Interesting. These are some good statements, Justin. Well done. Thank you. We haven't we haven't even poked a stick at them yet, so it's easier also, to say now. Good legend. Does good this legend. Set, does this set a precedent for the uh, podcast where we can talk about legendary objects? Well, I think on some level, the rooster's an object, but I you can't deny that the legend is relevant to the history because that we have history within the wine, like it's now a real thing. So we have to pick an object that, that there's something physical from it. It's that there's something mythical about the object you can't pick i think what we've agreed is we're not really gonna the only thing literally the only limit we've placed so far is that a live person is not an object that's it we haven't even really dealt with an animal that's alive yet that's true (laughs) and that it's got to be something physical i'll tell you what john if you can make an entertaining episode that brings in listeners i do not care what it is as long as you don't get a point out of it i'm gonna do the elder one i see what you've done there well played no absolutely not um, right. I'll tell you what, not really any statements yet. Bear with me one second, I'll be back in two minutes. Oh, God. Yeah, sure. Do you want to hear something exciting? Sure. I've been picked for jury duty. Oh, I'm so sorry. How are you going to do jury duty on Zoom? Apparently they're doing it in cinemas at the moment. This oh, was that's... before... This was a couple of weeks before lockdown was announced, so I don't know if that's changed. Oh, I'm so sorry that's happening to you. Yeah, it's annoying, isn't it? Honestly, like, I've spent... I I probably spent $35,000 on my law degree, but knowing I'll never have to do jury duty is almost worth it. Is that... Oh, I suppose, yeah, of course you wouldn't have to, would you? No, not allowed to. Have an idea of the law. They said on day one, because you turned up to this lecture on day one, you will now never have to do jury duty. And I'm like, fantastic. If I had just got up and left then, that would have been the best interstate move anyone's ever done. I should have just gone to that lecture. Hi, welcome to the second half of Deceptionally Clever, a history podcast <laughs> casual about the truth. Professor um, approved. Okay, so do you need me to jump you back into where the statements are at? Or... Nope, it's absolutely fine. I think let's start with statement one, the Black Rooster was star for days, because that sounds very depressing. Hmm. Well, I suppose it depends how often roosters are designed to eat. Like, they are a grazing animal. They will just walk around and eat all day. But I feel like not feeding a dog for two days is... It's not... You know, I wouldn't do it, but dogs are built to eat a lot and then not eat for a while, I feel like. But you also said it was kept in a dark room. Yeah, so I, I guess the theory was, let's just make this thing as eager as possible to make some noise. And as soon as it sees even a flicker of light, it's just going to be making some sounds. And we'll send our rider out immediately. <laughs> Did it work? Well, it got to within 12 kilometres of Siena. That's true. You, you tell me, John. Do you think it worked? <laughs> it just sounds so... I mean, when was this done again? What? Yeah. No, nah, excellent question. Um, I definitely did write that down. So basically, they've been feuding for... They, they had always been feuding. Yeah. And by... It's being used as a symbol by the end of the 1300s. 
Like the rooster has become a thing, so the legend yeah. has evolved throughout this time. They must have been keen then if they were willing to do this to it. Well, I suppose, did they really care back then? <laughs> no. I yeah, mean, the fact that just... it wasn't killed and eaten was a good result. Yeah, that's very true. Was it Was it then, like, was there a, a level of fame to this rooster afterwards? Interestingly, not a single thing in the legend indicates that the rooster then got to live a good life. Yeah, there's nothing. Say. There is not a single trace of happily ever after for the rooster. <laughs> I would not be surprised oh. if they didn't eat it that night for fun. Um, Giving it to the knight who rode. He's probably oh, pretty hungry. He might have kept it as a nice pet. I don't think Giving so. Giving it to his servants to touch. <laughs> Rivian call over it. Um, yeah, so, you know, I, I, I think legend probably is. Legend has to be an important term in this. Well, that's a very sort of practical term because it makes that statement very believable because <laughs> it's hard to argue against it. I'm not... Uh, the statement is not whether that is true or not. It's whether that was included in the legend that I researched. Yeah. yeah. And I suppose I can sort of see that happening. Although, like, I question if it would work. Is it? Is it seeing the light that makes the crow... Seeing... Crow, rooster crow, not crow. Is well, that I have some nearby animals of a similar nature, and they do start making sounds in the morning, and they do. Yeah, I, I don't know. I don't think it's like exactly on dawn. I don't think. I, I, I think, think they just make noise for various reasons, and they don't. They sleep in the night and they get up early. That's what I think roosters do. I think it just just interests me that roosters make that noise, like at the at the right time. Yeah, what's the evolutionary gain from crowing, like yeah. asserting dominance before everything else is up? Being the arrogant asshole who says I'm up before you. Yeah, get up, wake up, do some work. I've been up for hours. It's always a what happened when you said you were going to go for a run last night, and now it's time to go for a run. Put your shoes on, sunshine. Oh God. I'm having, like, flashbacks to lie-ins where I just can't bother to get up. <laughs> military school. Um, to military school, yeah. For the record, I did not... I don't think you would have done stuff. well in military school. Except I you would have been good at everything, though. That's the only other problem. Um, I don't think I would have been good at everything. Like my PE teacher said at, at parents' evening, um, he's in set one because he puts in a lot of effort. I think that would uh, that would sum me up. Are you not very coordinated? I'm pretty coordinated. I'm just You've like you've got the aerobic capacity. I can't figure out why you would have not been good at stuff. Um, because, well, in secondary school, being good at being good at PE meant being good at rugby, and I'm not exactly a rugby player. Well, even in the north. What? what are you talking about in the north? I don't play rugby in the north. Yeah, you play rugby at school. Right. Well, no wonder rugby's. The most pointless thing ever. In school, rugby serves the people who get biggest, quickest. <laughs> yeah, you either have to be good or heavy. So There's no room way. for being skinny and not good. Anyway, so statement one, you're... <laughs> statement one, I'm bad at rugby. <laughs> true. Uh, true. <laughs> um, 
Statement one, I'm leaning towards true because, I mean, I can just see it happening. Although that has failed me in the past, so... I could see it happening, yeah. Okay. Statement two, compulsory to put it on Chianti Classico. Isn't yeah. it compulsory anyway? So there's a bit of nuance here. It's the difference between something being restricted, so you're only allowed to call something from Cote de Rhone, Cote de Rhone if it meets the requirements of calling that, but no one says you have to call it Cote de Rhone. You know what I'm saying? No one says you have to use the colour red on the label if it's going to be yes. Cote de Rhone. Whereas yep. a rooster, the people that now run the authority that protect Chianti Classico say things like, it's only Chianti Classico if you see the rooster. It's at the point where they've sort of tried to unify the branding to such an extent that everyone has to use it and wouldn't consider not using it. And I guess that's fine. Like, it's not a problem to put a rooster on there. I'd be the guy that's like, I don't want to put a rooster on my wine. Um, but, yeah, but effectively they will disregard wine that doesn't have a rooster on the label. And I think that's kind of amazing. Is this, like, is this surprising, though? Surely, surely places should want to put the rooster on the bottle because then it adds a bit of... They can say that we are County Classico, or... It... Yes, there would be no reluctance because you basically... Guarantee in Tasmania, a vineyard's name, the name of the vineyard, will be the largest thing on the label. Probably in France, the village will probably be the largest, or the region. Same in Italy, it would probably say it would probably have a larger written county classico than the producer. Yeah. So it's you. You don't. You kind of don't have to do your own branding. And you end up with some unification. So in France, all of the Burgundy Pinots end up looking kind of similar. All of the Bordeaux Reds look kind of similar. I don't, no one was complaining about having to put a rooster on their bottle. But when I, when I realised that they were attempting to say that you have to put a rooster on this, I, I thought that was an interesting point of nuance, sufficient to get itself a statement. It is interesting. I wonder if you could... Are there rules around putting it on in a certain way? Because you could, like, if you were reluctant, you could put a little tiny rooster, a little tiny rooster right at the corner. Well, I initially went to tell you that it had to be on the neck because that's where they all are. And then I found a thing that said, technically, it can be on the front side, the back side, or the neck, which has a little name, that label around the neck. I don't know what it's called. Um, you can I put think it you can put it anywhere. Bottom of the bottle? But... Um, yeah, well, anywhere on the label. <laughs> I would like to see it on the, the bottle cap. That's where I would like it, right on top. Right on top. Couldn't see it then, though, if you're looking at it on the shelf. Mm, yeah, but they stack wine bottles with the neck out. So a person who works in a restaurant always wants something identifiable on the top of the cap because if everything's just black, every wine looks the same when it's in a shelf. I'd so put I put it on top, on the neck. On the front, on the back, and on the bottom. Why not just make a bottle shaped like a rooster? Amazing. Genuinely. Yeah. And it... <laughs> yeah, do that. Why has no one done that yet? Why Why not? Well, yeah. they don't have to because the wine sells itself as that good. That would cost far too much money. Is County Classico nice? 
I it is exactly the kind of wine I would appreciate made well. However, I've not had anywhere. I don't actually think I've probably tried something that's at the Classico level. I've had some Chianti and it was lovely. It's a medium-bodied red grape. I don't know, but I'm guessing you would get sort of blue and black fruits, like blueberry, blackberry level. Maybe a little bit of bit of earthy savouriness. Maybe I don't know. It would be good. Yeah. What's your favourite kind of red wine? I am a Pinot Noir enthusiast. Pinot Noir. That's nice. putting it mildly. Didn't you have a bit of Pinot, Pinot Noir before this podcast? Sorry? Didn't I have, have some bit, now. Yeah. bit of podcast I have Pinot. some from Southern Tasmania, yeah. Pinot podcast, podcast Pinot. I haven't had enough to influence me. I just like to put out there. Like, I don't have excuses when this goes badly because... I just like having it in a class, but... It, uh, it must be emphasised in this podcast that when we record, one of us will always have coffee and the other one will always have an alcoholic beverage. <laughs> that's not true. I usually drink tea. Oh, that's true. I only have uh, have uh, alcohol if we record sort of early and I don't have to get up and go to work at 5am. I was more stressing the time difference, but it's, uh, it's more yes. acceptable for one of us, to have a, One of us thinks it's too early and one of us thinks it's way too late. Yeah, that's true. Although I did yeah, like Yeah, so I've got some pino, which is a bit... Sorry? I did like having a beer while I was recording the podcast last time. <laughs> it feels like a beer kind of situation. I do think it's a cocktail situation, but I think if, we're, if we were recording together, it'd be nice to have a cocktail. Oh, that would make for great content on the Deceptively Clever Instagram. Ah, Deceptively Clever. Um, <laughs> yeah, it would. You can make the cocktails. One day, John. One day. Well, one day. all I really need is a camera person, and you can do that. Yeah, I could do that. I've assisted my dad. I've held up some lights before. Oh, that's true. You're probably more qualified to do that job than I am. Yeah, I feel like we could produce a cocktail that is on theme with the episode and put the recipe up. And then people could make it and listen along. Just come to Edinburgh and we'll start a content creation organisation. Um, I'll, As soon as you sort that pandemic out, I'll be right there. No worries, mate. The way it's going, I'll have enough money to buy my own visa. I'll get myself a red. <laughs> you have enough money to buy a flat, actually. Not in Edinburgh. <laughs> um, how would you like to move to... Is Slough a place? Yes, Slough is a place. How would um, you like to move to Slough? No, thank you. <laughs> I'm not sure. We could be Slough's number one podcast. I'm not Probably sure not. We could be uh, Slough's number one history comedy podcast. I'm not sure what their vineyard situation for you just is. Hmm. I can't afford to live in Kent or Surrey either, though. Also, you're Australian. Like, it's more expensive there, isn't it? You'll probably be fine coming over here. Well, we get paid properly. Yeah, that's true. The costs are actually exactly the same. We just get paid twice as much. At least. Um, yeah, wow. so statement number two. Did you have any complaints about that? Um, statement number two. Is it true? Uh, well, I'm not really at liberty to give away that sort of okay. information. That was my only real complaint. I wasn't sure about that. Um, okay. Statement we could probably two, sort that out by doing statement number three. My thing with statement number two is that I think that it's just like, I'm worried that it's obviously true. And then, because why wouldn't it? Well, two of them are obviously true. Oh, shut up. Statement oh, number three. Of, yeah. Burgundy sued trademark enforced. Yeah, God, this one's, this one's got a lot to it. Get started. But effectively, trademarks are 
something that establishes brand and are used to quickly identify that brand. In Australia, and I think England as well, a trademark generally, generally exists where it's specific to a brand within an industry. So Apple can be Apple computers because apples have nothing to do with computers. You could not trademark the word Apple in the fruit industry, for example. Yeah. So in this case, the people in Tuscany making Chianti have established that they've used a rooster to indicate quality wine for a long time. The Italian system that I'm not very familiar with is like fine, but the problem with that is once you start establishing it in your own country and others, you run into little cases where somebody else has been doing something for a while. So Burger King tried to come to Australia and there was some guy in some city that had a takeaway shop called Burger King and he was enough to stop them calling it Burger King in the entire of Australia because they would not be able to call it Burger King. I think it was in Sydney. They ended up having to call it Hungry, Hungry Jacks because they could not get their trademark across the whole country. So this situation so is sort of analogous. Hungry Jacks in Australia? Yeah, it then got more complicated. They set up a company in Australia called Hungry Jacks, which licensed a bunch of stuff off Burger King. It didn't go very well. and Burger King tried to effectively cause the failure of Hungry Jacks so that the contracts would be uh, triggered to no longer be enforceable. And the Australian courts were like, no, you can't set up this contract and then int- intentionally sabotage it. That's got nothing to do with the wine in this case, but it is a point of interest. Yeah. So in so, this case, we've got some French... I've got a French village, and there were two family vin- family vineyards that had chickens on their labels for hmm. a long time. Were they black? Uh, silhouetted, but... I mean, I saw some... The modern labels do not emphasise a chicken, but I would say gold. Gold or red would have been more likely. Yeah. Based on what I know about Burgundy. Um, so they have a like, coat of arms crests, I guess would be what you call it. It's, it's really common to have your your crest really for, at the forefront of your label in Burgundy. And then it will say, in this case, we're dealing with Cote de Nui. And there's a village called Nui Saint-Georges, which um, is really nice. It's, made, it's Pinot Noir predominantly, so similar to the wine that we produce in Tasmania. They've had chickens in their crest and their their concern was that they've been selling their wine both in France and then in Italy for hundreds of years with chickens on it and they didn't want the trademark to exist with the rooster because they didn't want to have someone stop them. It hadn't actually become a problem. No one had tried to stop them, but I think they just looked at the trademark and, and thought this is a little bit concerning. Let's yeah. try and have let's try and make sure their trademark can't be used to stop us selling our brand anywhere they most they were doing it in the italian courts but that also would have been relevant for the french market yeah did that make sense yes it did make sense i believe i believe that i am following okay good basically a little village two are they little villages big villages the big use towns? of the word village i don't know if it makes sense the way i'm doing it because there'll be a village which would be surrounded by vineyards but then I don't know whether specific names within a bigger village is still called a village in French. I'm talking like 
there's a town and then there's a village and the village the french vineyards are broken up a lot more partly because of the way they pass down property uh through inheritance but they end up with much smaller vineyards so the two family vineyards we're talking about are kind of comparable to tasmanian vineyards which are tiny so i think village is the right word but they're basically messing it all up for this chianti classico they, they didn't want them not to be able to like use the rooster they just didn't want anyone to stop them from selling their wine with their family crests yeah i kind of feel like it was more of a pride thing because the crest is not that relevant to the selling of the wine like it was nowhere near as obvious as a black rooster yeah and like they neither one of them could have got a a trademark against the other because they're both just using a chicken thing you know how there's like the emu it was like a chicken and a um, I think one of them had a line, I don't know about the other, when you have two animals that look at each other, woven into an emblem. Yeah. It was like, it was no nothing like a black rooster just sitting there looking at you. Um, <laughs> but their main thing was they just didn't want anyone to be able to stop them from selling their brands anywhere. Was it successful? The, oh, that's an interesting way to phrase that question. The case <laughs> failed, the trademark was upheld, but the judge said... Um, or the, the findings that were given um, was that nobody would mistake the black rooster for the chickens. They were in no way interfering with the ability to present your brand or their brand. But um, he found that there was no indication that the existence of the rooster trademark would prevent the selling of the chicken for that reason. So it so was beca- all... Because it didn't interfere with the trademark, they also would not be stopped from selling their wine in the same market as the trademark. So it was all pointless because everyone got what they wanted? It, everyone got what they wanted. The lawyers would have got paid a good amount of money, I'm guessing. Um, well, that's a nice outcome for everyone, isn't it? Those kind of things when judges say that, like they're not actually making a finding because it wasn't relevant to the case. They don't have to say, but you're fine to sell your wine. So that's not actually binding on any future cases. Like any yeah. courts below this one, which this this court was, I'm presuming they have a somewhat similar system and this court is quite low, but any court under them would have to follow that ruling if it was a similar case. But it, it seems like there's no problem with two families selling wine with chicken on it, from what I could tell. It sounds like the judge has gone, that's a chicken, that's a rooster, I see no issue here. Everyone go yeah. home and carry yeah. on. Stop wasting yeah. my time. Can you please just focus on growing grapes? not frivolous lawsuits in a different country. I'm going to go find out why this person is now defrauding millions because I've got more yeah. serious things on my plate. Yeah. That kind of thing. Exactly. Well, I like that as a happy ending, sort of. <laughs> yeah. Interesting. Much more on that statement? Um, I, feel I like think we managed sore. to cover that. What's the most you've ever spent on a bottle of wine? The most money I have spent on a bottle of wine, not much. I'm not sure I've even spent more than 60. Oh, well, it depends if you count in a restaurant where they just have inflated prices. But probably not. I, I generally buy younger wine that needs cellaring. Maybe I cellar it, maybe I don't. I don't generally buy the high-end stuff, mostly because what I want is to taste a broad range of wines. Like, I'd rather go and spend $50 on an exclusive tasting of five 
rather than have a whole bottle of something to try at home. So I usually spend in the 30 to 40, maybe 50 range. Which is what in pounds? 18 to 28. Interesting. I was expecting some, at least a high number. The problem with wine is that it's only 750 mils. That's true. And you you just drink four glasses, five glasses of it. A bottle of whiskey you can enjoy for... I don't drink whiskey at the minute. I try to limit my alcohol consumption while I work in the industry. Uh, but, yeah, I have access to some pretty good stuff if I stick around. Um, so nice. I don't generally need to buy very much to try the good stuff, but I also am aware that I don't have the budget for it. And, boy, if I did, I would not be messing around. I have incredibly <laughs> expensive taste, unfortunately. <laughs> I do not. <laughs> you do not. As evidenced by your thoughts on everything drinks related. <laughs> I feel like we are two sides of a coin. Well, I, I did not tell you this story. I paid something like £16 for a beer in Launceston the other day. £16? Jesus. Yeah. Right on closing, too. They had a beer up, and it was... I can't remember if it was high 20s or low 30s dollars for a... less than a pint. And I was like, well, I have to try it to see. It was peach-flavoured. I am worried. Oh, nice, peach. I am worried that I'm probably not that far off that because I went to a... No. I went to a beer festival um, in a place called Grassman when I was at home and basically they served you half pints because it's a beer festival. And we yep. just worked our way through the breweries. So we were like yep. having one from each. Had plenty. Yep. And I remember seeing one that I knew that I really liked but was really expensive for a half pint and I'm, I'm worried about how much it would cost. I think it was closer to 10 than 5 <laughs> So I'm probably not okay, far that's... off yours because it was a half pint as well. So, But that was in a festival where money doesn't exist. True. And it was like the last one. So I was already quite deep. Uh, you had a few. <laughs> do you have a statement to lock in? Yes, I do. John is going to lock in an object. Penny's out. So... One, two or three. I'm going to say two. I'm going to say two for a reason. I think okay, one good. sounds like it's key to the legend and therefore it makes sense. I kind of like it. It's like a, a reasoning behind it. Statement you want three, it to be true and it makes sense. And it's key to the legend. Yep. Three, I think is true because I feel like it's... Two of your interests where it's wine and law. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And you've already mentioned some law tie-ins earlier in this episode. So I'm kind of thinking that. And also it makes sense to me because Little Village, well, other vineyards. And I, I, yep. you can understand the sort of protective nature of some things. Statement yep. two, I've got issue with the compulsory part because I think that surely you would want to put it on the label anyway. I don't think they need to say you have to. Okay. Which one is true? Which one is true? Well, one is true. I mean, true. which one is a lie? 
you're correct about one. Three could not have been more fabricated if I had have tried, except I did look up the name of two different families that do make wine in Burgundy, in case you asked, just so I had something to say. But other than that, I'm I'm now thinking that my logic should have been three is a lie because that's two of your interests. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, oh well. The problem is with two, like, you are correct in that they don't have to say it is compulsory, but I just couldn't help but find it amazing just how strongly they were asserting that the rooster is part of the thing. There is nuance in it. Like, I don't... When I said compulsory and I was trying to phrase it carefully, they're not taking anyone to court or they're not denying people wine classification without it. And I don't know whether they could, but I think they could. I honestly think if you presented a wine to these people from the things that I read, they would say, go away and come back when your bottle has a rooster on it. Yeah. Otherwise, you're not getting Chianti Classico and you're going to lose $15 a bottle minimum, probably 40 Well, there you go. Score remains at 5-3, and I prove once again that I should have just guessed. Yeah, so they said they put it in a dark room, and then one of the websites actually said that the rooster crowed in the middle of the night, so they just let the night go. (laughs) The sun sun hadn't even come up. Uh, Yeah, that's... it doesn't That's work thing, as a story. It? You have to have someone from the other city in each city to certify that the knight can leave. And it, it didn't say that they did that. And the very first thing I thought of was how did they monitor this? Like, was it just gentleman's honour? Yeah. Or did they have a person in the other city to... And then that person would be, like, the number one assassin target. Yeah. Like, if you don't tell them that we left on time, we will murder your entire family. I think eventually the the... the... <laughs> The articles will, like, evolve so that they say that, like, this this village, this town killed all the other crows in the other one, and then the black crow rode the horse as well to the... <laughs> it just gets so dramatic. Maybe I'll take a lesson from them and try to use a crow in an Australian region. That's, like, our version of the rooster. Yeah. I keep saying crow. Oh. Yeah, because it crows. Yeah, I know. Mm. Oh, God. My brain. Rooster. Rooster, rooster, rooster. Just a weird animal to pick as your, as your symbol. Like, the French are mostly lions. Lion That's versus a, rooster. Who's going to win? I mean... I'll tell you. The lion. Yeah, but it's more... <laughs> it's more relevant to pick a rooster than a lion because there's roosters in France. <laughs> <laughs> it didn't stop England. Or Scotland. Yeah, I know, but we've done so much Or Wales. What's Ireland? Yeah, wh- Wales, Wales are most at fault. <laughs> Leprechaun, yeah. I, I, honestly, John, are you telling me a dragon is m- less likely than a unicorn? Yeah, too fast Scotland is a unicorn. I don't know, because a unicorn is just a horse with a horn. At its... It depends whether you have to have a fire-breathing dragon and a unicorn that has magical abilities. If you take those away... I don't know which I think is more likely. The small animal is usually more likely than the big one. A unicorn is more likely because you can find... Because I think it was... Wasn't it narwhal, narwhal horns that made people confused about it? Yeah. So there that you go. That's right. There's, like, there's some logic there. Yeah, but that makes unicorns less likely. Dragons, they had to magic up in their minds. Unicorns, they just got it wrong. 
No, because unicorns, you're taking you're taking something and going, what is this from? I think maybe it's from this. Whereas, so it's like a combination of in your mind and some evidence that you've just misidentified. Whereas a dragon is like, this is what this is. Well, I mean, we had pterodactyls. Not in not when they were deciding what should go on the flag. Oh, I meant what's more likely to have actually existed to justify oh. the decision as the national animal. You're like, at least they do have oh. roosters. And I'm like, I'm still well, saying it didn't stop though. England using a lion, Wales using a dragon, and Scotland using a unicorn. Unicorns definitely are more likely to have existed anyway. Hmm. As, if, as long as they didn't need magical abilities. Yeah. I feel like we've dealt with a lot of really important topics there. Um, I'll just say now, if anyone would like to use that in an academic situation, um, go right ahead. Definitely, definitely don't guarantee any of it's true. And could you please let me know? John, do we put our podcast into the public domain such that we do not assert copyright? Or do we assert our copyright? There's only one answer. I just want to check. I think that the answer is no. I mean, to the first one, we don't copyright. Is that the right answer? Wrong. We assert all of our rights, both to publication and monetizing, but we encourage sharing from our accounts. Yes, and I think our logo should be a black rooster. No. <laughs> and that's where we end. <laughs> <laughs>